Hey listeners, Movie Miss here with a big announcement. You may have noticed recently that seasons one and two are no longer showing up in the main feed. Well, that is because we've moved them over to our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash let's talk turkeys, all one word. But don't fear, you will still continue to get new season three content right here on the main feed. But if you want to go back and listen to any of the amazing episodes that you might have missed with my former co-host, Miss Nikki Flicks, including our Fifty Shades of Grey and hilarious Showgirls episodes, you'll find them all over at Patreon, along with the entire back catalog of episodes, seasons one and two, over 100 hours of content. And as a perk of subscribing to the Patreon, we will have new content monthly with Drive-In Dave, special guests, and myself, including commentaries for a couple of Christmas movies coming up here, including Jaws the Revenge. And before you say anything, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then I contend so is Jaws the Revenge. Head on over to the Patreon and you'll be able to check that out in December. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash let's talk turkeys. Subscribe now for a very low monthly rate and get unlimited access to our entire show's back catalog, as well as all the exclusive content that will be coming in the near future just for Patreon members. Thank you all for your continued support. We really appreciate you. Baby, you are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these. It's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> On Christmas Eve many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound. A sound I was afraid I'd never hear. to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Turkeys. I'm Movie Miss, and I'm being joined this week by my co-host, Drive-In Dave. How are you doing today, my beautiful co-host? Oh, oh, holy shit, am I doing good today. (laughs) I can tell you're all smiles. I love it. (laughs) I'm actually excited to do this one today. 
you know, sometimes you torture me with endless crap and then I try to pay you back with Dark Man. But um, today I think we got a good one. <laughs> yes, today we are covering the holiday turkey. It is a turkey. The Polar Express from 2004. Uh, Rotten Tomato Critic score of 56. So it's a turkey there. Audiences of 64. So it's a little bit warmer for audiences. This was your pick. This is our last episode of the year and of season three. Wrapping it up with a holiday film. You chose this one. And I would love to know why, why you wanted to talk about it and what your uh, relationship to the movie is when you first saw it, how you feel overall, etc. Uh, this one is a, um, this is a, this is a kind of a shout out to the girlfriend. She introduced me to this film last year, actually. I knew of its existence, but it never called to me. I was just kind of like, eh, which is weird because I love animated films because I love animation. It just never jumped out to me. And then she's like, oh, you got to watch it. It's really cute. And I did. It really grew on me despite the animation is not the greatest. I mean, I can see what they are trying to do, but you can tell it's an early starting point for what's to come for the future of this style of animation, this motion capture stuff. And it, the story is really heartwarming and cute. The, the music is kind of nice and, and i mean freaking tom hanks i mean i love that man so much he can do no wrong for me okay so for me this was my first watch ever of this movie for the show usually i don't like my first watch to be for the show for any movie because i have to constantly pause it critique it write my notes for our plot walkthrough this movie it didn't bother me at all i hated this movie <laughs> And uh, we'll get to it as we go. Hold on a second. L let me pick my jaw up off the floor from the shock that I'm experiencing here, knowing that you hated this movie. I don't know if, I don't know if the sarcasm reader picked that one up or not. Well, to be honest, I, I did read some stuff on the internet ahead of time. And but but you would think, oh, maybe that tainted your your view. No, it didn't. It just confirmed why I don't like this movie. It never called to me. I never wanted to watch it. I do like animation. I don't like this animation. And there's a phenomenon out there. I don't know if you've heard of it. Tell yep. me if you're familiar. The Uncanny Valley. Yep. So for people who don't know, it is the hypothesized relationship between an object's degree of resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to that object. This is not the only movie that has that effect on people. There's Beowulf. There's Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey doing the voice, I believe. Another one I actually enjoy. Uh, there is that uh, Final Fantasy movie that came out. So this isn't the only one in this style. There are other ones in this category. I'm not the only one, apparently. This is a thing. It's a phenomenon. It's a thing. It's it's. There's like a chart and a graph and Wikipedia, the whole thing, charting it out. I also found uh, John Anderson of Newsday called the film's characters creepy and dead-eyed. <laughs> and he wrote that the Polar Express is a zombie train. I agree. The movie does not come across to me as a feel-good holiday motion picture for children. It creeped me the fuck out. You didn't uh, get that I, vibe at all watching this? No, but then I'm not a I'm not a weirdo like all the people that have this uncanny uh, all the people phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> it's called. I mean, science. you got you guys are all you guys are all just like emotionless, heartless weirdos. So I mean, oh. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it because I tell you what, my overall feeling on this movie is it's not a holiday feel-good movie. It is a horror movie, and I am shocked that it is for children. I, I got the holiday vibe perfectly. I mean, I saw a point yeah. where it could be a horror movie. So it's an hour 39 merciless minutes directed by Robert Zemeckis, which when I found that out, it clicked. 
okay. This man did the Back to the Future movies, Death Becomes Her. Uh, he did Beowulf and Christmas Carol in similar styles. He did What Lies Beneath. He's very big on visual, pushing the limit of visual things that we see on screen, special effects. So I was not surprised, actually, that this was him. Were you? No, uh, not at all, actually. Like, once I saw him attached to it, I was like, okay, this makes sense. And especially because I like 90% of his movies. Yeah. Uh, the only one I've had, like, a uh, that I've seen that I've kind of got, like, an iffy feeling on was Death Becomes Her. Mm -hmm. But I saw mm -hmm. that as a kid. I was like, if I go back now, I might enjoy it a little bit better. I really enjoy his filmmaking. I'm with you. I enjoy the majority of his films that I have seen. Um, I would I would encourage you, uh, maybe we'll do it on the show next year. I would encourage you to revisit Death Becomes Her as an adult who much more understands and appreciates filmmaking in general and script writing and and you know what goes into production and the performances. Like you might you might appreciate it differently now, I think. See, I was thinking more just the dark humor. Like as a kid, I didn't have a dark sense of humor. And I remember the, oh. the jokes in that were really kind of dark. It was it was like a black comedy. Yeah, hundred percent. So for this one, based on the book from 1985, written by Chris Van Allsburg, uh, budget on this film, 165 to 170 million, which you're paying for animation. So that tracks, right? Yes. Uh, 314 million worldwide. It also happened to come in in 2006 into the Guinness Book of World Records for the first all digital capture film. So that's a distinction it has. That to me is awesome because it, it kind of showed just how important uh, this movie is for digital animation. That this kind of like really kind of set the bar for, uh, depending on how you look at it, you could say set the bar of like, hey, we got to do better than this. Or, you know, hey, this this is like the standard we're looking for. Well, you know what else I was uh, just, it was so neat to read read up on this and find out. Tom Hanks, who is all over this movie, optioned the book, paid for, you know, wanted it himself as a project, but he did not want it to be animated at first. Yeah, I saw that because I saw, I saw it was Zemeckis that said that you had to do it because he said it would have cost like a billion dollars. I actually think that's funny because now, okay, at that point in 2004, I can understand thinking that, but now with all of the overly digitally produced crap that's coming out, which I happen to enjoy a lot of it. So, you know, when I, when I say crap, don't take that literally. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this movie could be done as a live action film now. Yeah. My thought researching this and watching this and learning how much it costs and the whole thing and what, you know, I just thought, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> like, did, did they not realize how fucking creepy these people look? I guess they didn't. <laughs> I think it's it's because it's you're breaking ground in a new field when it comes to animation. So it's going to be rough in the beginning because I mean this this has gotten better over time. I thought like the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, the animation progressed. I mean, it still has that kind of dead feel to it, mm -hmm. but it it definitely is progressing because you even see like they do motion capture in live action films, like like Gollum, for example, and that's motion capture, but it right. works. Well, in the Marvel movies too, they do it all the time. So uh, before we jump in further, I just want to point out, as always, um, we are now on patreon.com slash let's talk turkeys. And we have these, you know, season three in our main feed. So if you're if you're new to the show and you're new to us and just, you know, coming on and listening to us fresh, you need to know I've said it before in all the episodes. I'm not shitting all over you because you like this movie. I mean, 64 percent of audiences who logged an opinion love this movie. I'm sure there's people out there I know I haven't asked that love this movie. So again, 
this is my hot take, my opinion, shitting on what I what I want to shit on about the movie, not shitting on you for liking it. And that goes for you as well, my lovely co-host. And I know you know this, but I thought I should say it. <laughs> I mean, we we appreciate it because sometimes, you know, we don't like getting the movie Miss Cleveland Steamer. Uh, so it is it is appreciated to let us know <laughs> that we're not the ones that are that are relieving this, uh, uh, receiving this, excuse me. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> The IMDb plot. On Christmas Eve, a young boy embarks on a magical adventure to the North Pole on the Polar Express while learning about friendship, bravery, and the spirit of Christmas. You think that sums it up? Pretty much. I mean, this movie does not have a very elaborate storyline. I mean, it's not like there was going to be like an M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end or something. It's not super deep. <laughs> no, no, there, there's, there's no deep. This is about three feet deep. So let's jump into the plot, shall we? All right. Our movie begins with studio logos all over. And I, and I like that they're frozen. That's a fun touch. Yeah, I love when movies incorporate the logo into uh, like the, the whatever the theme of the film is. They all need to do that. Warner Brothers seems to do it the best. Yeah, it's, it's a cute touch. I really do like it. Uh, music plays. We get title card. Then we pan to a snow-covered neighborhood at night and then into the bedroom of a sleeping child as a narrator begins to speak. I want to point out that I like the opening just sucks me in because I think I've always wanted a nice snowy Christmas like this, like the town. It just seems so, so like lovely, like especially for Christmas. And then I add on top of the fact that like I would just kill to have Tom Hanks narrate my life. <laughs> Mine would be more of a Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Well, yeah, because with you, every other thing would be like, listen here, motherfucker. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have I have a theme song in my head. Like when I'm out in public and I'm walking around doing things, I'm always bopping Allie McBeal style to like my own theme song. I also have my own narrator. So if that makes sense that you would too. <laughs> I have my own theme song too. And for anyone who knows the reference, it is The Touch by Stan Bush. Whenever I walk out the door, that clicks off like I'm and like I'm walking through the curtain at WrestleMania. Okay. I don't know the reference, but it still makes me laugh to picture you walking out the front door going, I'm conquering the day, motherfuckers. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's anyone who doesn't know the song and doesn't know where it's from. Look it up and you are going to understand my life 100%. <laughs> so it's worth mentioning that Tom Hanks uh, does several voices. He is like five voices in this movie. He's several characters. Uh, he's also the narrator here because I guess he's telling the story. That's what this is of when he was a boy growing up to be the conductor. I think they don't quite point that out, but I feel like that's what it was. Like he was touched by Christmas and it made him, I felt like a several times in the movie, they were alluding to maybe him passing the torch to the next boy kind of thing. And that never happened, which was kind of a letdown. There's a lot of theories. There's a time travel theory that he is the conductor and he's going back in time to uh, like have this happen. There's like so many theories out there. And to me, it's just like, it's Christmas magic. You sons of bitches, leave it alone. There's a lot of people out there that could be doppelgangers. Maybe that's what it is. It so doesn't have to mean anything. What is your take? What is your uh, overall take on the that for this movie? Mine is that my, my it's a dream, that he just dreams the whole thing. It's not real, any of it. If it wasn't for the ending, which we, we will get to, I would have said the dream scenario. Yeah. But I'm going off of just, it's a, it's Christmas magic, Christmas movie, Christmas magic. So no That's logical it explanation. It's just Christmas magic. <laughs> it's just Christmas magic. I, I, I mean, fair. it's like the force. You don't have to explain it. It just happens. Okay. That's fair. Okay. 
so the narrator tells us about when he was a boy and he heard Santa's sleigh bells. He sneaks out of bed, sees his parents are tucking his little sister into bed, and he overhears them discussing if Santa is real or not. This child doesn't, uh, you know what, now, now that I'm thinking about it, okay, hold on a second. The narrator is explaining about when he was a small boy. But then we're cutting to our main character, which is never given a name. He's just referred to as Hero Boy in the credits with his family. So why would the narrator be talking about when he was a small child, but we're seeing the main character's family? That would have to be him. Okay, I'm just putting this together right now and my mind is being blown. See, this is, this is, I wish you people listening could watch this because it's fascinating to see the little hamster on the wheel right now. It is just... <laughs> That guy is just working hard right now. It didn't occur to me because again, like I said, first time watching, I'm pausing it every three minutes. I can't really follow the movie and get into it. But now I'm thinking about it and it's like, wow, why would we not get a flashback of a different child when he's narrating? Okay. <laughs> wow. Right? It's the gift that keeps on giving. So you need to give this movie a more of a shot. All right. Well, the little boy who is our, our current going to be our main character uh, fakes being asleep when his parents come in to tuck him in. And he overhears them saying something about the magic ending and that there's no Santa. Uh, he's clearly not believing anymore. He's discouraged in Christmas. I didn't know this at the time until the until the end of the movie, because, again, first time watch that this movie is supposed to be set in the 1950s. I didn't I, know I, that the whole time. <laughs> I kind of picked up on it just because of the way people dressed and the toys and the stuff that you see. And then like, you know, like there's a couple scenes that happen that like, okay, yeah, this, this feels like a fifties style kind of thing. Okay. Plus, I, mean, I think Zemeckis is like obsessed with the fifties. Well, that makes sense. He was probably born around, you know, forties or fifties. Or I think he's at that that's age. That's true. That makes sense. I think we're all obsessed with like what, uh, what our childhood is. I mean, for me, it's the nineties. For me, it's the eighties. So yeah. All right, so this boy finally falls asleep for realsies at about 10.30-ish, oh, because we see his clock. And then about midnight, he wakes up to hear some stuff moving and rattling, and it's kind of like a mini earthquake in his room. <laughs> it's very unsettling. I was like, oh, this poor child. That would freak me out. Uh, uh, but I would point out that it's 11.55 is the time. Keep track of the time. You have to keep track of the time in this movie. Oh, that's right, because Christmas magic. Yes. <laughs> it does come in, you're right. So at five to midnight, all this happens. So he throws on his robe and slippers, runs outside, sees a giant train has stopped right in front of his house on his little street. <laughs> First time watch, I'm like, well, he's clearly dreaming. There's no train that runs down this neighborhood street. <laughs> I mean, that we know of. I mean, like it's the 50s. It's not like they cared about like, you know, construction codes or anything like that. This could just be like, hey, some assholes like, you know what? Let's just put some houses by the track. They're going to be cheaper. No one's going to give a shit. <laughs> So it says Polar Express on the side of the train. And we see the conductor, Tom Hanks, outside yelling, all aboard. And what's funny to me was, again, I'm going to keep saying this first time watch. I'm like, that sounds like the kid's dad, like the same voice. What the hell? So then I'm looking in the credits, which I usually try to save to the end. Yeah, Tom Hanks is so many voices in this. <laughs> but the conductor actually looks like Tom Hanks. Yeah, they, they definitely modeled it model him after tom hanks which i appreciate because I, I love like i said tom hanks is just he's a saintly man when it comes to hollywood so the boy approaches this conductor and asks and the conductor asks him are you coming with us to the north pole the conductor points out that the boy didn't take a picture with santa this year he didn't write a letter to santa 
And he had his sister put out milk and cookies this year for Santa. So when, when the conductor points all that out to the little boy, I thought to myself, well, Krampus is coming for this little guy. He better watch out. <laughs> this kid is just, he's going down the wrong path. He's got to be saved. Well, I mean, like at, at this point, you know, a strange man comes in a giant train to pick up a bunch of kids to go see Santa Claus. I mean, this, this movie is either going to be a Christmas movie or an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> yes, this is my first introduction to weirdness with this movie because I'm like, Tom Hanks is supposed to be this, you know, lovable, nice conductor guy rounding up the kids. Instead, it's very menacing. He's like, you coming? <laughs> like, oh my God, calm down, bro. There is quite a bit of creepiness to this movie, but I still love it. I can't, I can't hate it. So he urges the boy to come with them and the boy starts to back away nervously. Like, you know, he's going to get grabbed and thrown in the back of a van. I would too. So the train begins to pull away and the boy decides to run and jump on the train. The conductor invites him to come into the car with a bunch of other kids. There's like 20 other kids in this hopping car. They're all bustling and making noise and jumping around. It like looks like a little party all in their pajamas. <laughs> It, like I said, it, it really does feel like like this could be like any moment you're going to hear the dun, dun, dun. And it's like law and order <laughs> pops up and it's like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? Dun, dun. Yeah. So a lot of the kids are singing the Polar Express song, which I've never heard of before. <laughs> yeah. That's to me what's hilarious is that I, I've now met some people who recognize the song from this movie. And I'm like, I've never heard a damn single thing like, like the original music at all until I heard this movie. And even outside of the movie, I've never heard it. So another boy starts asking our hero boy about the train and a girl across the aisle chimes in and says, it's a magic train cool happy that you know it that. isn't <laughs> it is indeed a magic train although i will point out that the train in the movie is based on a train called the pierre marquette 1225 and it's a restored steam locomotive located in uh, owasa michigan oh that's so cool yes i would like to at the end i will thank my research team for all the research they did for me <laughs> as you look at your hands thank you research team <laughs> oh i got a surprise for you okay so <laughs> <laughs> so there's this this kid is just annoying as fuck right and it was hilarious to me because this other kid starts just annoying this hero kid asking him questions rattling off trivia and i'm like this is like little fucking sheldon cooper mini sheldon cooper kid because he's rattling off train facts and shit he was so fucking annoying <laughs> but what was funny to me was i immediately was like he fucking sounds like eddie Deason from revenge of the nerds <laughs> So I look in the credits <laughs> and each child is played by three different actors throughout the course of the film. And one of them for this know-it-all kid is Eddie Deason. Yeah. And I swear to God, I didn't know that when I wrote that in my notes. And then I looked at it and went, holy shit. He's got a very distinct, like I knew that was his voice. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a few actors out there that the moment they, they speak, you just like, is that who I think it is? <laughs> yep. My husband's far better at that than I am. Cause he watches a ton of animation and, and movies. I'm not as good at it, but yeah, his voice I knew immediately. I love it. So hero boy here ignores Sheldon Cooper kid. Who's rattling all this shit off. And he leans over and asks the girl if they're really going to the North pole. And she says, yes, all excited. Like she's all about it right now. <laughs> 
it's kind of cool how like you're 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 seeing this kid who's like he doesn't believe and yet he hops on the train and you're like you know from the beginning of this movie what the plot's going to be it's like okay you don't believe in santa claus by the end of this movie i got a hundred bucks that says you're gonna your ass is gonna believe in santa claus (laughs) (laughs) so they roll past the toy store and they get all excited the kids do when they see the window displays then the conductor comes in and asks all the kids for their tickets which again first time watch i was like er what that that was a little that was a little confusing but i want to ask you a question did you also happen to get annoyed when hero boy gets disappointed by the animatronic santa claus in the store window like he's looking like oh there's santa claus and then you see like wheels and shit in the back of his back and he just has this like down like face that's not the real santa claus it didn't bother me because what fucking moron child thinks santa claus is going to be stuck in a toy store window on christmas eve (laughs) that's what bothered see that's what bothered me was it's like why would you be disappointed by that like do you really think santa claus is just going to be hanging out in a fucking store window you're right that's exactly was my thought as well so like i said the conductor comes in asks for the tickets and i thought tickets what the fuck so hero boy starts checking his pockets and he realizes he has a hole in one of his robe pockets because his little finger wiggles through and i thought "Mm, Chekhov's hole in the pocket here we go so he pulls out in his other pocket from his other pocket, a Willy Wonka-style giant golden ticket. And I thought, man, I wish I was watching Willy Wonka right now <laughs> instead of this. <laughs> it's uh, true. What, what, okay, which which version of Willy Wonka? Oh, Gene Wilder, fucking 100%. Okay. Which is more of a horror movie than this movie, actually. <laughs> I, I will always pick that one over the Johnny Depp one. I don't have a problem with Johnny Depp one. It's not. It, it's good for what it is. But honestly, me too. I don't hate it. Yeah. But it's like it's nothing touches the Gene Wilder one. Yeah. So the conductor takes this giant golden ticket and uses his little hole punch in a very freaky way. He's like, punch, 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 like real, just moving the ticket around, punching real fast. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Hands the ticket back to the little kid. And there are two letters on his ticket spaced apart that say B and E. And I thought, okay, breaking and entering. Like, what is this? Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, I really now want to see like Law and Order Polar Express edition. I really want to see that at some point. <laughs> this the story was ripped from the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheldon Cooper kid comes over and I swear to God, every time he opens his mouth, I want to slap his face. He was I, supposed to be annoying, I guess. He was, but they they almost overdid it. You you know this is going to be one of those movies that the kids are not going to be the same when you first see them to like the last the last scene. Like there's going to be some emotional growth and all that shit, which again goes to hope. the whole yeah. It's like it goes to the whole law and order. These kids are going to be traumatized at some point, but this kid does not have a redeeming quality about him whatsoever. <laughs> Every time he <laughs> says a damn word, you're just like you want to be like shut the hell up and go to your room, you little shit. So we'll, yeah, and we're going to discuss that, what you just said about him, your 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 hypothesis of his growth and whatnot at the end, because his ticket now gets punched, and <laughs> I wanted to punch his ticket, um, <laughs> and it said L-E. I was like, okay, the kids are getting different letters. I'm not sure why, but it's happening. So then the conductor announces, we are making a stop, and somehow some little kid knows that they're on the other side of the tracks. Oh, we're stopping. We're on the other side of the tracks now. Ooh. And I'm like, how the fuck would you know that? You look like you're six. 
how do you know where you are geographically in this town? <laughs> your parents probably throw you in your booster seat and take you up to daycare or, or the grocery store and that's it. Doesn't make an, like a lot of sense, but at the same time, it's like you are trying to throw logic into a movie that has a giant fucking magical train driving through town <laughs> to see Santa Claus. I just thought it was funny that they emphasized other side <laughs> of the tracks. Ooh. So I guess that means we're picking up the poor child. Is that, is that basically what they're trying to say here? That was a little bit on the nose. I, I have to say that was a little bit like, okay, seriously, you got to say other side of the track. So this kid's obviously going to be poor, maybe a little bit of a ruffian kind of thing. A ruffian? <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that word. So they pick up this child. The kids are listening to the conductor as he gives the same spiel to this kid as he did to the other kids. Uh, the, the little annoying Sheldon Cooper kid says, that's weird. I thought you were the last pickup to our hero boy. And I'm thinking to myself, how again, logically, how the fuck does this kid know what the plan for the train is? How does he know who the last kid to pick up is? Well, I mean, like, apparently he knows everything. I mean, his name in the credits is know-it-all. So fucking funny. So hero boy sees the child start to, he, he backs away because he doesn't want any part of it. The train starts to leave. So the boy begins to run and decides he does want to be on the train. So hero boy pulls the emergency brake to stop the train so the kid can get on. So this is where the first part happens for me that was truly non-child friendly to me. The conductor comes in because the e-brake gets pulled. And he starts to scold this child for pulling the e-brake. He doesn't do it in a pleasant tone. This is scary to me. He's like yelling at this poor child, scolding him in this firm voice, but then softens up when he realizes why the child pulled the e-brake. It was so the other child could get on. He does that several have... times in this movie, the conductor. I, I don't see the problem with that. This this was the 50s. I mean, you were allowed to smack women and children whenever you wanted to, just for the hell of it. So it's like, <laughs> this is how the this is how the era was. <laughs> you were encouraged. I mean, it was like in commercials, like uh, you know, like a, announcements in in between the Dick Van Dyke show. Of, Did you smack your wife tonight? Right. And buy a pack of cools. Be smoking <laughs> in public and beating your children and wife. So. The thing, though, that was was weird to me, it gets it's like the he, he the conductor jumps to conclusions consistently throughout this movie and then real tries to tries to backpedal and reel it in. And the damage is done, bro. You just done scolded this child within an inch of his life. <laughs> that makes sense. So if you look at most of the old black and white sitcoms like Leave it to Beaver, especially Leave it to Beaver, uh, Father Knows Best, um, a lot of the shows like but like I said, mainly Leave it to Beaver, Ward Cleaver would jump up his kid's ass constantly. And it just, I mean, like to this day, I'm traumatized by that man. <laughs> I can't see a beaver. It's bad. I just see them and I freak out. It is. I, I, I am I'm becoming allergic to beaver. So the conductor then asks, after all this mess has been cleared up and the kid gets on, who wants a snack? And over 20 kids that we can see raise their hands and get all excited. So in comes this gaggle of dancing and singing wait staff waiters bring in the snacks it's hot cocoa this is elaborate dance number to pour hot cocoa i fucking hated this scene <laughs> it was so stupid okay i hate this scene only because the fact that this you song hate, gets really it gets it gets stuck in my head 
to the point where I hear it in my, I, I will like hear it for weeks. I mean, I'm still hearing it right now. Well, I couldn't, it, I like, couldn't tell you what it was now. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I can, I mean, I, I can't like, it's like one of those things where it's like the memory is like just inching its way into your brain and laying eggs and you just can't so it's get an earworm. rid of it. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what it is. Now I blocked it immediately upon finishing that number. I blocked it from my mind. <laughs> oh, like, like the moment, moment I watch it that night when I go to bed, I start singing it in my sleep, just oh, unconsciously you, singing it in my sleep. You poor, poor child. That's terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. here the, the conductor proceeds to sort of half sing some of the lyrics with with the hot chocolate we witness the most bizarre series of hot beverage pouring i've ever seen in my life and what i thought was really annoying was when the wait staff jumps on the tables and they're dancing right where the children are going to put their food and drinks like get off my table you grosso with your feet <laughs> that's what i was thinking don't dance on my table sir this is the 50s children have no rights I'm going to dance in front of your mouth and you're going to like it. You're going to eat and drink whatever I give you. <laughs> exactly. So we see the little girl chooses to hide her cocoa under her seat instead of drinking it. And then after this bonkers drink service concludes, the little girl takes her hidden cup of cocoa uh, with the help of the conductor to the child in the last car who got on late so that he can have a beverage as well. The boy sees the girl left her ticket behind on her seat, so it's not punched. At this moment, I thought, why does that matter? This is what bothers me probably the most in the movie. And I understand you need that that plot point to kind of get everything started, like all the shit that's going to happen. But yeah, I'm just like thinking logically, if you leave the ticket alone, the ticket's not going anywhere. The ticket is safe. Just leave it alone and nothing that is about to happen is going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That was my thought after later, after seeing all the shenanigans with the ticket, I was like, if he just wouldn't have fucking touched it. <laughs> so he tries to step out to take her her ticket and it slips out of his hand and blows away. It lands in the snow. And now we get <laughs> journey of the golden ticket. It gets tossed into the air, moves with a pack of wolves running through the snow, running through the woods. Then an eagle swoops down, grabs it, takes it up to the nest, and feeds it to the baby, who starts to chew it, but then spits it out into a wad. It rolls, hits the snow, turns into a giant snowball rolling down the hill <laughs> as it picks up speed. Then the snowball hits a rock, so the ticket flies free, and it's loose again. And perfectly flat. No wrinkles on it whatsoever from Baby Bird. I call bullshit. <laughs> would you try it? Would you like to try that one more time with like maybe 10% less sarcasticness in it? I mean, I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. Absolutely not. I think that was the perfect level of sarcasm. Because okay. then it wafts down because it's perfectly straight. See, it's wafting again. Hits the train. Gets tossed under the train back up into the train and then into the car 
with the kids, but nobody sees it, but it's there now. This movie was only an hour and 39 minutes. However, it felt like three and a half hours <laughs> because of scenes like that. Why did we need that four minute sequence of the traveling ticket? It's filler. We didn't need it. Why? Okay, I, I, I will tell you why. For uh, Specifically for the fact that that scene is the best animation of the entire movie. That the was... animation is, is gorgeous. That's what I was going to so, say. They clearly did it to show off their quote unquote skills at this point with the animation. Yeah. And so it's like that. That's why that's like my favorite scene of the entire movie, because I love the whole I mean, like, yeah, the, the point of it is whatever. Who cares? Uh, again, you're ripping apart a movie with a magic fucking train going to see Santa Claus. I yes, mean, I am. Yes, this, I am. This, this, is, this is why you're not allowed to watch Godzilla movies, because I can only imagine <laughs> the logic you're going to be using in that. Um, but like like it's gorgeous i i absolutely love watching it and of course then you throw in the fact that it is a nod to the feather from forrest gump which was also directed by zemeckis and starred tom hanks yes so, also a movie i hated thank you who the <laughs> hell hates tom hanks <laughs> i don't forrest hate tom gump. hanks i hate but forrest in forrest gump. gump i mean forrest gump is such a great movie i mean jenny's a fucking whore and a bitch i hate that oh, movie i i, I am not denying that yes jenny's the villain of the movie i mean it, yes it's, it's not about that it's about like watching this poor mentally challenged man have to overcome this abusive whore throughout his entire life <laughs> and then get and saddled then end with up, her and her kid yeah no yeah and then, she, then he has to end up raising the age baby no thank you no thank you all right so back to this treat of a film the conductor comes in and asks the girl for her ticket i realize i didn't punch your ticket so where is it and the boy steps up and says, I'm sorry, I'm the one that lost it. The conductor takes the little girl out of the car. The, the look of this, the way he whisks her away dramatically is horrifying. He's going to throw her off the train, isn't he? This is horrible, is what I'm thinking when I'm watching this. And then little asshole know-it-all Sheldon Cooper kid says, oh, he's going to throw her off the train. So he confirms what I was thinking. That the conductor's putting the fear of God into these children. What the fuck is happening? Okay, I, I've got to admit, I'm, I'm going to flat out admit it. One of the reasons I chose this movie is because I knew this is what I was going to be hearing today. <laughs> and I absolutely love the fact that this shit tortured the hell out of you. Well, I'm glad we could end the season on a high note for you, sir. <laughs> this is for an entire year of dealing with dark man hatred. Okay, but I'm hoping now, season four, we're going to wipe the slate clean and move on from all of this. <laughs> so the boy now finds the ticket because it magically made it back into the car, runs out to look for the conductor. Hey, I found her ticket. I got it. I got it. The quiet little boy, the late passenger, who's just sitting there in his little caboose train, you know, a car all by himself quietly, is no help. I wanted to ask you, did you watch Malcolm in the Middle? Uh, I know of it and seen clips from it, but I've never watched the show, no. Okay, because I'm, I'm kind of curious. And this this is going to go to anyone who listens to this, too. If you guys out there, guys, gals, uh, like have watched Malcolm in the Middle, am I the only one that thought that this kid, the shy kid, I guess his name's Billy, You am I the only one that thinks he reminds me of Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle? That was the smallest child. Because the look and everything just, to me, looks like him. I see it. I 100% see it when you say that. I didn't see it at the time because I wasn't making that connection. But yes, now that you pointed out, yes. 
that you think that they're going to look like trying to make them look like real people. So they're, you know, doing what they can. Maybe they modeled it sort of after him. Who knows? Well, I believe the motion capture, they did motion, like, like they modeled them after a lot of the people that played the role. Because Hero Boy, one of the people that was the motion capture actors was Josh uh, Hutcherson, which is one of the reasons I should hate this movie because I hate that fucker. But um, I am not familiar with his uh, his catalog of work. What do, what do you dislike him from? Five Nights at Freddy's. He was in that. He was a security guard and he played the whiniest, complainiest character I've ever seen in my entire life. He was also in uh, Hunger Games. Okay. So those are all things I've not seen. Okay. Well, you're not missing anything. That's what I've heard. That's why I haven't watched them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he goes up on the top of the train to look for the conductor and the little girl. He sees footprints and a light in the distance down the train. So the kid chases after them. He gets to the end of the train and there's no conductor, no little girl, but there is. And this is how he's named in the credits. A hobo, <laughs> which is one of my favorite words in the English language. A hobo with a fucking setup on the top of this train in the snow, fire with the can of beans and the shoe tied. Like, I don't, he's fucking classic 50s hobo <laughs> on top of the train. And I'm going, what, what now? What is this? Oh. So he's chilling. He's playing this little weird musical instrument. And th this train is whizzing along. This train is going so fast. I'm going, this kid has to be dreaming. There's no way an actual person is sitting on top of a train. Again, G-rated motion picture, right? The little boy says, hey, mister, uh, I'm looking for a girl. And the hobo says, what does he say back to the boy? Do you remember? That was something along the lines of, uh, ain't we all kid? Ain't we all kid? Yeah. What? <laughs> this is a small child. <laughs> Okay. We don't need to hear about how lonely and horny you are, sir. This is a G-rated Christmas movie. Okay. Now, to be fair, there is no... I mean, he did not say he was looking to bend a girl over a barrel <laughs> and give her his, give her a Christmas candy cane up the ass, okay? Over his all he said, <laughs> Yeah, it's like all he said was just, I, yeah, ain't we all looking for a girl? That mm -hmm. could be a girl to cook for you. Because again, <laughs> this is the 50s. <laughs> oh, my God! Free, <laughs> free. So this hobo voiced by Tom Hanks also, um, I do like that he changed, Tom Hanks has a very specific tone and way that he's cadence to his voice and the way he speaks, but he changes it up just enough that it took me a minute to realize it was him. So that was cool. It, it kind of looked like him too. That was what was interesting to me, which now that I think about it, that kind of goes into the whole comparing this to like, like some people say this is like a Christmas Carol kind of movie. And now I can kind of say it, the hobo was one of the ghosts. Well, we find out he fucking is a ghost in this weird world. That's why, right. Why you got to do that? If this is just magic, why he got to be a ghost? <laughs> I don't know. Well, because to add to the horror ghost. aspect. <laughs> hey, okay, first off, okay, now the horror aspect works because when you think about it, there is a tradition of scary stories for Christmas. So, all right, this all works. Right. So, the hobo <laughs> tells the child that he rides this train for free all the time because he's the king of the North Pole and he owns the train. What? Okay, anyway. Well, he I mean, offers... have you ever met, I was going to say, have you ever met a hobo who's not delusional? <laughs> I've never met a hobo, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he offers the child some hot coffee. He calls it a cup of joe. And the child takes a sip and, of course, gags and spits it out. 
who the fuck offers a child hot coffee? You gotta grow up sometime, you little fucker. Then they discuss Santa Claus. The hobo puts on a filthy looking Santa hat, which tracks because he's dirty. He's a hobo. He does a hearty laugh and ho, ho, ho. And (laughs) to me, the way that this guy ho, ho, ho's when he goes ho, 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 (laughs) he sounds like that dumb shark laugh from the end of Strange Wilderness. (laughs) When you texted me that, I was like, I was literally about to watch the movie. And I was like, oh, fuck, don't do this to me because now I'm going to die laughing when I see that scene. And did I did. Did you hear it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it. Yes. That's what immediately clicked in my head. Oh, 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 and is interrupted by the hobo who hops up, douses the fire, gets down in the kid's fucking face while rattling off a list of synonyms for being tricked, bamboozled, swindled, all these fucking... And I'm like, this is this is not the only time this will happen in this movie where a character lists off a bunch of synonyms for the same fucking word. It's very weird. But it's terrifying at the same time because he gets right in this fucking kid's face. And I'm like, is this hobo delusion? Is he having an episode? What is happening right now? They're trying to scare the belief back into the kid. They've got it. I mean, like, like if you're Santa Claus, you're at this point where you're like, okay, this little this little shit doesn't believe in me anymore. No, that doesn't fly with me. We're going to send out the Polar Express to handle some business. <laughs> so then he tells the kid, seeing is believing. The kid asks if they are really going to the North Pole or am I dreaming? Is this a dream? So then it seems like the hobo confirms it's a dream by talking to the kid here. I, he, It's not flat out said, but I was like, that kind of feels like maybe he's dreaming, I, I think. So he asked the kid if he believes in ghosts, which I thought was weird. And then he leaves saying, we need to go look for that girl. And he disappears. Poof, gone. So fucking weird. The whole thing. (laughs) So the kid now tries to wake himself up. He's like, I have to be dreaming. (laughs) This has to be a nightmare. And then the hobo comes back on skis and tells the kid, climb on. So the kid gets on his shoulders. And then the next chapter in this book of, oh my fucking God, what now? Is these people need to get to the front of the train. Before the tunnel, which has one, he points out, one inch clearance. So basically, if they don't get there, they're going to die. This is terrifying. This is a child's movie, right? <laughs> I mean, how many, I've, I've, I've watched so many kids' movies, probably because I'm immature, but I, I, I love watching these kinds of movies. And a lot of them are pretty fucking scary for kids, but they're not scary enough to where they're going to like piss their pants in the theater or anything. It's just like, oh, okay, it kind of gets a little tense. You want that in a movie. They get into a harrowing situation here because they have to get down this train. They're at the caboose presently. The kid falls off and manages to hang on, barely. He climbs up with the help of the ski pole that the bum extends to him. Here you go, grab this. Then the train goes over this hill and is now plummeting down a steep decline they have to ski down the top of this train the whole length of the train to beat the fucking tunnel 
And at the last second, the kid leaps off into the coal bin and we see the ghost hit that wall and descend, poof, smoke, he's gone. The little girl happened to be waiting for him in the coal train, by the way, the little area there. My question was, where the fuck did the hobo go? So obviously he's a ghost because he just poof, right? So well, he can be I mean, corporeal and not corporeal because he was able to touch the kid and help him. That makes sense. I mean, Christmas has ghosts, so he's the ghost of Christmas. I don't know. We'll say past because why not? I have no idea. <laughs> um, who knows what ghost he is, but, you know, he's there to help the kid. Uh, you have to have that action adventure scene, you know, kind of get the blood pumping and racing. And so <laughs> you have to. If you think about it, most of the best Christmas movies have a little bit of action and suspense and some, you know, a little bit of horror in it and stuff. So why not? So meanwhile, two engineer guys are hanging on the front of the train perilously because they're trying to change a light bulb while the train is in motion. What? Well, they can't stop. They cannot be light. I mean, the conductor has said multiple times he is on a schedule. He cannot be late. Which I call bullshit. Do you know why? Yes, I know exactly why. Why do I call bullshit on that? Because time has stopped. Thank you. So they yell to the kids, stop the train. So the kids somehow figure it out and do. And we see that the tracks ahead of them are covered in caribou. So they just narrowly stop from running over and demolishing all of these animals. So if you don't know, caribou are reindeer and they live in cold, extreme climates. So it makes sense that they would be here. There's a ton, there's a shit ton of them all over. So the conductor comes in, scolds the boy again. And the girl says, wait a minute, look outside. We stopped for a good reason. There's caribou everywhere. And the conductor has to look and go, oh, oops, and reel it back in yet again. <laughs> For prematurely jumping down the kid's ass like come on come on it's okay you, at, at a certain point you gotta let that go because this is this is what they did back then and, and i'm just basing <laughs> this off of the fact that every sitcom and movie i've seen usually has the dad jumping up the kid's ass and jumping to conclusion yeah over overreacting is is the word i kept writing in my notes yes. wow he needs to don't, calm the fuck down don't be a cartoon movie karen okay <laughs> so the <laughs> cartoon karen they go out, the conductor figures out by somehow pulling the beard of the one steamer engineer guy who's hanging on the front of the train. It makes him squeal and holler because he doesn't like having his beard pulled. And the caribou yell back like they have a conversation with beard guy who's squealing and they understand what this squeal means, his yelp of discomfort when his beard is pulled. So they back away. The caribou clear the tracks. And all I could think in this moment, and I wrote in my notes in big letters, at this point, the conductor is a real dickhead. I don't like the conductor. Are we supposed to like him? Because I don't. I love him. I think he's a great, caring, loving human being. <laughs> uh, I do not <laughs> see what you saw in him. <laughs> I just pointed it out. He yells I mean, at the children and puts the fear of God in them. And then he yanks on this guy's fucking facial hair to get what results that he wants. It, this like is it. what this is what a real man has to do to get his job done. <laughs> if you have to abuse others, so be it. <laughs> exactly. The train gets going again and they can't slow it down because one of the steamer dudes accidentally breaks a lever in the train that they hit tracks on a steep downhill grade and it almost sounds like a roller coaster. There's a couple of scenes in this movie and this is one of them. 
where I kind of felt like this would have made a kick-ass virtual roller coaster ride. Go to the, like the uh, Disneyland or Universal Studios or whatever and hop in the seat and you're just like going along with them down the tracks and shit. That would make a kick-ass ride because it's, it looked like a lot of fun. So the conductor and the two small children during the scene are standing on the front outside exposed on this train as this is all happening. They take a harrowing ride on this part of the track, which includes in this scene a lot of screaming. They are screaming in terror because of what's happening. They hit an icy patch. The train skids out of control. The kids... almost die but they get helped by ghost hobo (laughs) it's so weird now there's a couple times that the kids have almost died in this movie and obviously almost die a couple more times am i the only one that kind of wonders what happens if a kid gets lost on the train if the kid dies on this journey is there like a huge santa cover-up or something does he like make the parents forget the kid even exists does he hire one of the elves to like replace the kid or something or like maybe there's like some kind of free voucher for a steak dinner at outback like well like what is it happens (laughs) what happens if we kill your child or lose your child exactly like a little card says like sorry i killed your kid here have a dinner on me right but still don't don't forget to believe in the magic of christmas Little Billy did all the way to the very end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) He went out believing. (laughs) So dying words were, I love you, Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you betray me? (laughs) (laughs) So the train finally comes to a screeching halt on this cracking ice. And the conductor yells, what in the name of Mike? Please tell me what that means. I have no idea, but I love it. And I don't care what you or anyone else says. You people are not ruining that phrase for me. I love it. We need to make it a common thing for people to say because I, it is. Does, awesome. What does it? What does it mean? Do you? Did you find any trivia? Did you? Do you know what the fuck he's saying and why? I have no idea what it means. I think it's just like instead of instead of like what in the name of the world or what in the name of God, it's just it's one of those things that you have no explanation for it. You just say it. Okay. He just I, randomly I, said it, I guess. As far as I know, there's I could not find anything on it. But then okay. I, I my research team did a lot of work on this and we could not find anything. And by work, like you the- mean Pornhub. <laughs> They start the train up again and they are sliding off the tracks on ice, all willy nilly all over the place. They see some tracks and they turn and aim for those. They're going to skid on this ice and aim for those tracks. I just was rolling with this. I was like, whatever. It's a magic train. It can do whatever. I mean, like the damn train goes from at one point having like 20 fucking cars to like five cars. So like this train can do anything at this point. It really can. It's the chitty chitty bang bang of trains. So, of course, they make it, even though cars are collapsing, which I would assume killing children, but (laughs) they all seem to make it, all the children. They almost lose the girl's golden ticket again. Did all the kids make it? Because we never actually saw all the kids. Oh, that's a good point. So there could have been a couple that were lost. So that those vouchers could have been like shipped out like later that night. Could have been some casualties. I think you're right. So the golden ticket gets saved. The conductor punches an L.E. also into the girl's ticket. And the hero boy points out, oh, that's the same as Sheldon Cooper kid's ticket. Huh. An L.E. Like, okay. The conductor and two kids go into a train car full of junky old discarded toys that he calls forsaken and abandoned. 
this train is spooky this car dark the music isn't cheerful when they go in all these toys look disheveled and dirty and discarded what, what not a happy want? scene what did you want broken toys with the soundtrack of like is that was supposed to be was supposed to be playing in the background hey i will point out that you can have an island full of misfit toys and it's happier than this <laughs> And I will point out that those movies are complete and utter boring crap. So the conductor and the girl take off and leave Hero Boy alone with these marionette puppets that start talking to him. One of them is an Ebenezer Scrooge puppet, which is funny because Zemeckis does the Christmas Carol in this animation style as well. And Scrooge says that he's just like him, the little boy, about Christmas. Scrooge is Tom Hanks again. The kid panics and gets out of the car and back into the one with all the kids. So terrifying for this poor child. Can't he wanted a Christmas miracle. He didn't want to be scared to death. Well, you can't feel too bad for him because before Scrooge laughed, well, like gave him all that shit, he was looking at some puppet boobs. I mean, oh. you saw the way he was eyeing the tits on that, that one marionette. Well, puberty is just around the corner, so... <laughs> True. And I mean, like, at that age, that's probably the best you're going to get is some puppet titties. So the... <laughs> The hero boy goes to the last car and sees that the girl is eavesdropping on the lonely little boy, which we find out his name is Billy, like you said. He's outside singing, just looking off into the night sky. The girl joins in singing, and it's this optimistic song about Christmas. I thought to myself, are all these kids on the train doubters aren't they all on this polar express mission like our hero boy because they've lost the meaning of christmas in their soul maybe not is what i was thinking now i'll point out a little bit later i have a theory as to why i don't know why all of them are on there but i have a theory as to why certain children were specifically picked because she seems extremely optimistic and loves christmas by the way she's trying to encourage little little sad billy here so the conductor comes out and tells the kids who are now looking at the northern lights that they just crossed the arctic circle so i'm like oh their train is like running across the ocean now like <laughs> what is happening <laughs> magic train i guess i mean how many times do i have to throw that throw that phrase yeah. out here magic train this is the first time it appeared in my notes though i was like what <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I was going to have to bring this up to you several times to point that out because I, I know little Miss Know-It-All over here was going to uh, uh, <laughs> shoot down everything about this movie. I'm surprised you did not bring up the fact that the conductor walks like he has hemorrhoids. <laughs> I was not checking out his ass. Thank you very much. He's a cartoon character. <laughs> All I'm saying is that sometimes you got to look. I do notice, oddly, now that you say that, when characters animated or otherwise are bow-legged, I always notice a bow-legged person walking, but I never pay attention to other ways that people walk. <laughs> I, it's okay. I'm not going to, it's going to sound so much like a bullshit excuse, but I do look at animated asses because I'm trying to always figure out how you draw that when people are walking. Well, no, that, that makes complete sense because knowing you being an artist at heart and, and drawing, that makes sense that you would want to see how animation is done. That makes sense. That's not weird at all. Okay, good. Because I'm sure that there's a couple of people right now that are going to be listening and be like, bullshit, you just want to see some cartoon ass. <laughs> no, I, I understand you're looking at the mechanics of it. Makes complete sense. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Maria with your Creeping Me Out podcast. 
If you are into the paranormal, true crime, and just plain weird, you're going to want to listen to our podcast. My friend Jessica and I talk about all things weird and creepy, from the hat man to alien abductions to your creepy encounters. And that's where you, the listeners, come in. You're working on making more content for you for what your spooky little hearts desire, which means, you guessed it, we need your stories. You can email them to ycmopod at gmail.com. You can also find a link in our Instagram where you can leave a voice message. You can follow us on Instagram, threads, and Twitter at ycmopod. Thank you for listening and stay creepy, my friends. This episode is brought to you by Truly Unique Jewelry. You're a one of a kind, so it's unique spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. With all of the jewelry options mass produced for each season, you're left wanting more when it comes to pieces that showcase your individual style. Head over to trulyuniquejewelry.com and scroll through handmade one of a kind options for every budget with pieces starting under a dollar. Beautiful costume jewelry to fit every age and every budget. Custom orders are also available for no additional charge, and they flat rate ship so you can fill your jewelry box with matching pieces for every outfit in your closet for one shipping fee. From earrings to bracelets to necklaces, even rosaries and combination sets. Cost is no longer a barrier to having the looks that you want that scream uniquely you. Go to the Facebook page for Truly Unique Jewelry for updates and discount information when you follow the page. Feel good about supporting a small business while you're updating and expanding your jewelry collection, adding pieces for every occasion. Visit trulyuniquejewelry.com. And remember, it's unique spelled Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. And now, back to the show. So the conductor points out the North Pole, which they are rapidly approaching, is just over there. And you see like this little light in the distance. We hear children singing the Polar Express song again inside the train as the train travels into the town now with five minutes to spare. The conductor points out it's five minutes to midnight. OK, if I remember right, this is the point where the kids yell like, as they're, go they're going into the town. One of the kids yells out, look, elves or something like that. And I believe it's the fat kid. The fat kid, whoever did the animation on that, that's one of those few times where I'm like, okay, yeah, that was bad animation because that kid looks god awful. I didn't even notice. You go back and watch, like, like of all the kids, he is the worst looking kid. Oh, no, no, sir. I will never go back and watch this ever again. Thank oh, you. Oh, you will. <laughs> you, you will. I, I will. We, we will do a remastered version of this episode. I also want to point out that the, uh, the visuals for the North Pole uh, are based on the architecture of uh, the Pullman plant, maker of Pullman railroad cars in Chicago. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I did not know that. I actually kind of wanted to go look up the pictures now of the Pullman plant because I kind of like, I love the architecture of the North Pole. So we see the conductor take his hat off. He's coughing, sweating, a little nervous about how they were going to make it there on time. And we get to see that he has a, they zoom in and show that he has a bald head on top. Why? But why does that matter? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but all I know is after seeing that, I do not want to see Tom Hanks bald. Ever, right? <laughs> no. So the conductor now tells the kids all the elves have gathered in the center of town because they are awaiting Santa, who is going to give out the first gift of Christmas to one of them. And if I remember right, this is the part where he's telling the kids to line up. And it's like it's a, he does, does a little line where he's like uh, taller kids in the front and shorter kids in the back or something like that. So, yeah, first the train stops in the center of town and we see all the elves gathered and the train pulls right fucking up to where these people are all standing. And we see the tree 
many stories like skyscraper tall tree. Then he tells the kids, yeah, let's get out and line up. It's say, short time, to tall. Is that what it is? Okay, short yeah. to tall. Okay, because every time he does that, I always want to add into a uh, business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> That's just always what it makes me think of. <laughs> That's how the conductor's hair is. So... It looks like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> so all the kids line up, and then uh, little Billy is still sitting on the train. So the girl and hero boy decide to go get him. Billy tells the children Christmas doesn't work out for him. Twice he says this to them. And I was like, wow, this little kid, like he clearly doesn't get anything for Christmas. He's from the other side of the tracks. So poor and is super depressed about Christmas. Christmas doesn't work out for me twice. He says, I have a major flaw with that. You have a problem because yeah, because it, and this, this is one of the things that bothered me story-wise was like, okay, if doesn't matter if you're poor. Okay. I can understand your parents not being able to give you presents, but you just established we are in a world where Santa Claus is real and gives out presents to all good girls and boys. So unless being poor is considered a terrible thing to Santa Claus, why the fuck is this kid not getting any gifts? That is what happened to my train of thought because this was my first time watch at the end of the movie. I had that same thought at the end because he gets the, the, the present from Santa at the end. I had that same thought. I didn't have it during the scene because again, I had I didn't know that's how it plays out. But that makes sense. Yeah. Why the fuck would Christmas not work out for him? You're poor, but Santa does still deliver a present to everybody. So you at least get one from Santa. Exactly. What did bother me in this scene, because again, first time watch, Christmas doesn't work out for me. Okay. We don't know his life inside his home, but it's the spirit of Christmas. It's the holiday feeling. It's being surrounded by friends and loved ones. It's, you know, be everybody being of good cheer and spreading good energy and being positive and the good vibes of Christmas. Like it's not about gifts really at the end of the day. I know when you're a child, it's all about the presents. That's all that they care about. And that's fine because I was one too. But I thought, is this is a Christmas movie targeted at children. Why are they not leaning more on the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of the holiday season? Why is it, oh, poor Shaq child doesn't get gifts. Boo hoo. It's like, dude, that's not the fucking point of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But how many Christmas movies for kids really do point out that it's like, there's more to it than presents. I mean, there's a lot of a them. Lot. I, I can't think of a lot that I've watched. I mean, like uh, uh, Snoopy. I mean, he was, a, the, he was we, like, we just covered Muppet Christmas Carol for the Patreon, sir. Yeah, it's about the was... spirit of the season. Make it last all year. All the no. love. like No, that's not what it was about. It was about trying to con a very uh, wealthy, uh, shrewd businessman who had it all together, con him into giving his money away to greedy <laughs> ass poor people. Oh my God, that's amazing. All right. He doesn't want to come out. Christmas sucks for him. Okay, we get it. Boo hoo. But the kids keep pestering him. Wait they a second, get... wait a second, wait a second. You just went from the Christmas spirit and it's not about greed and presents to, oh, shut up, you whiny little shit. We're tired of hearing you complain about how Christmas doesn't work out for you. No, because he's complaining he doesn't get presents. That's not what this should be about. So as they're pestering him, the car detaches from the rest of the train and starts racing down a hill fast again. 
The kids are looking for a break. I can't find the brakes. And they're screaming as they race down this hill. It's terrifying. Once again, children in peril in this Christmas movie. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I do not recall you complaining about the fact that, you know, Tiny Tim was crippled and was going to die. I didn't I didn't once hear you say how traumatizing that was. You're just like, oh, he's so precious. <laughs> so Hobo Ghost shows up now. He ends up smashing into a wall and turning to dust once again. Horrifying. Turning to snow, actually. Still, not something you see every day. <laughs> snow is a lot more cheerful than dust. The car goes into a tunnel, stops on a spinning platform. So the kids get out and Christmas music is playing overhead. They hear sleigh bells coming from one of the service tunnels. Hero Boy does not hear the sleigh bells. He points that out, but the little girl does. So they follow her. They first, 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 they have to go on a terrifying tightrope walk over the single line of track trellis to get across. And one kid fucking slips. His foot slips. It's so scary. Okay, that one does bother me a little bit. And not because it's scary, but because, again, we are going back to a, a recurring theme throughout the turkey verse. Dangerous places. Uh, I, I'm just, like, not just There's for no the kids. No guardrails. Yeah, it's like for the elves and stuff. Like, this is a Santa, like, like Santa's just begging for a lawsuit at this point. Nope, Outback voucher. <laughs> I thought the same thing, bro. As soon as that popped up, I pictured you going, why are they building these places with no guardrails? Once again. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like like all these movies we've been watching, they have the same integrative, uh, 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 like interior designer building all this shit because it's, yeah. it all has the same layout. It's just, it's bad. So they pass through, they get into town and uh, they find an even smaller tunnel. The girl says she still hears something. So they follow her, even though they don't hear it. Before you get into more, I do want to bring up, am I the only person that enjoys watching giant people walk through tiny towns? I absolutely yes, love like I'm I, I want yes, you're the only one. <laughs> I, I want to do that. I seriously want to do that. I want to walk through like a little miniature village at some point and just feel like this giant person. You know why? Godzilla. <laughs> exactly. You want to be Godzilla. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, like I would be so hard pressed not to be kicking in buildings yep. and trying to snatch elves. <laughs> I can totally see it. So the kids enter now what looks like Elf Call Center. It's some elves. There's basically, it's Christmas Central. There's kids on monitors sleeping all over the world being watched. There's reports on naughty activity coming in over the wire. There's a rotating yeah. globe. <laughs> this is something I did not know. When I did the, when my research team did the research, we found out that the naughty kid is a reference to Steven Spielberg. Oh, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. It's it's apparently because I guess uh, him and Zemeckis are friends or something. So they kind of threw that because you even hear the kid's name is Steven. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, that's pretty cool. You need to thank your research team for finding out these tidbits. Maybe get them a nice pair of mittens for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be thanking them at the end of the episode. The kids see these elves get into a speedy little contraption called the pneumatic it's like this little, it looks like a human-sized version of the bank tubes when you pull up to do your banking and you zip your shit off in the tube. <laughs> you know, it looks like one of those. <laughs> it looks like a lot of fun. It, you know, it also kind of reminds me of um, uh, Logan's Run. You know, that's on my list. I've never seen it. 
Oh, you've got to see Logan's run. I will. Mike bought it for me uh, for Christmas last year or the year before because I'd said I'd never seen it. So it's we're definitely going to watch it. Because I haven't seen that, my mind went right to banking tubes where you shoot those fuckers up. I, I, I mean, like, it literally just popped in my head now. I'm like, I kind of remember that scene in Logan's run. It's like, that's got to be what it is. Okay. So the kids hop into one of these cars and they get jet propelled at the fucking speed of light, breaking the sound barrier to get to the wrapping paper room. It's so scary. <laughs> They're just <laughs> screaming. So they get to this abandoned wrapping paper room. And there's one gift addressed to Billy that they see on the conveyor belt. Billy gets all excited and grabs the gift on the belt. And the other kids follow. They go down this crazy slide, Goonie style, just whoa, all the way around. And they're screaming, woo. This movie, I swear to God, is like a child's nightmare. At this point, I'm writing in my notes. This is not a dream. This is a nightmare. <laughs> we don't know that. They could be having fun. I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, like it could have gone down a dark road and turned into a horror movie instead of going where they, wherever they were headed. It could have been like they ended up in like a Sarlacc pit or something. That would have made this movie exponentially better. So they finally land on this giant pile of presents. And after a minute, it starts to move and it lines up under this giant hole in the roof that opens. The presents are wrapped up in this giant red bag. They're in a sack of presents, basically, at this point. They get pulled into the air by this crazy looking blimp copter thing. I, I've never, I don't know, like, like I've watched so many Christmas movies with Santa Claus and everything. I've never once liked the whole giant bag of presents thing. Like in the whole Santa mythos, that never worked for me. I, I've always liked Santa's bag of holding better. That works so much better. Yeah, like like uh, the old vaudeville bit where they like pull one thing out of a bag that looks like it can't hold but one thing and they keep pulling out one thing after another. Yeah. It's like, how do you yeah, have 10 the... things in that bag? There's no way. Yeah, that's what that's what uh, uh, that's uh, sorry. That's a D&D reference bag of holding. OK, OK. So same same but, thing. Yeah. But I, I mean, I will give Santa credit, though. He does have a hell of big sack. He does have a pretty big sack. Yes. So the kids see that they are up in the air flying now and little Billy is being pulled down by Sheldon Cooper kid who pops up under the fucking pile of presents. He was in there too as they approach the tree in the center of town. So at this point, we're about an hour in of an hour 39 minute film. And I thought to myself at this moment, I've been watching this for an hour. Well, actually for me, it was more like two because it takes forever to take notes. But I'm like, we're an hour of runtime into this. And really, nothing has happened. The kid got on the train and the train got to the North Pole. That's all that's really happened so far in this movie. I think that they made this movie, Zemeckis wanted to, simply because, like you said, he wanted to show off the animation. Of, Look what we can do. Look what we can do. <laughs> it could have been that. It could have been just like, you know, childhood memories. And, and also, I, I must remind you, you are not a child. So going and watching a child's movie, you're not going to see the magic and wonder and amazement that a child would have. I have a childlike innocence in mind. <laughs> so you do not. I, I so do. Yeah, I don't have children. But if I did, I would not let them watch this. If I have kids, I'm making them watch this. They, oh they are being tied, tied to the chair and forced to watch this movie. <laughs> That says volumes about you, sir. You're going to tie your children to the chair. And what are you going to pin their eyes open clockwork orange style? <laughs> what can I say? I'm, I am a 50 style parent. Okay. If you don't listen to me, you get five across the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Please don't breed. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the bag of gifts is somehow too heavy. So the elves try to lighten the load by skydiving off. And then they bump into the giant star on the top of the tree, knocking it off of the top. So then we get bungee jumping elves to rescue the falling star. Then the bag gets put on to Santa's sleigh sitting right by the tree. Two things I want to point out. One, the skydiving elves is a nod to the skydiving Elvis impersonators. The skydiving Elvises. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then two, when they start deflating the balloons to get the sleigh down or, or get the bag of presents down, I literally uh, know a woman that makes that same sound. <laughs> okay. We're not going to go into that right now. <laughs> so some elves find the children in the bag of presents and help them out. Then all the reindeer start to show up to everyone's excitement and Santa arrives to great fanfare. You totally skipped over like one of the creepiest parts to me of the entire movie though. Oh shit. Okay, go. When 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 uh the, the elf wants to get the present back from Billy. Yeah. And and the, the elf is just like uh uh he does that little trust me. Like that is like the creepiest fucking trust me I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, that just bothers me. So what you're saying is, it was horrific. There was another horrific element. Thank you. Yes, in this movie. Oh, I, I openly admitted that there are some moments that feel horror-like. That was so creepy. You're right. You're right. I skipped over that, but it was. So Hero Boy looks very sad because he can't hear the sound of the jingle bells, which all the other kids seem to be able to hear. Santa makes his way out, and a single jingle bell goes flying off of one of the reindeer, who are jumping up and down, excited that Santa's coming and it's time to go. The bell falls right at Hero Boy's feet, but he still can't hear it. He holds it up, shakes it by his ear, and he hears whispers calling him a doubter and a non-believer. He closes his eyes and he chants, I believe, three times, and then he can suddenly hear the jingle bell. <laughs> It's a little on the on the nose. Personally, I wanted to see that scene like when they're singing Santa Claus is coming to town and Santa opens the door and you see the silhouette. I, I was really hoping that we were going to get Santa coming out and do the ho, ho, ho. I have come here to eat candy canes and kick ass. And I'm all <laughs> out of candy canes. I really wanted that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it would have fit in this movie because it's a horror movie, Loki. Santa approaches the boy and asks him what he said. And the boy tells him, and he gives Santa the jingle bell back. Santa then addresses Sheldon Cooper kid and tells him to practice humility and patience. So this child is still an annoying little fuck <laughs> at this point. He hasn't learned a damn thing, but Santa tells him, you need to work on this. And the kid's like, yes, sir. Santa then tells the little girl she is clearly full of the Christmas spirit. And she's very spirited. Keep up the good work. What? I thought that this was about non-believers getting filled with the Christmas spirit. So no, clearly she, as we've seen from the whole, the whole movie, is about Christmas than the Christmas spirit. She's full of it. I have a theory on this. All right. So Santa then addresses little sad Billy and tells him there is no greater gift than friendship isn't there though because i would take a nice ribeye over a new friend any day of the week just saying i i would feel insulted by that right now but i agree with you I, there's so many friends i would sell up the fucking river for a nice steak dinner and that kind of also touches on it's not about the presence billy you little poor shack shit it's about friendship and the meaning of christmas 
blah blah okay, blah. Okay. But we glaze seriously. over it. He just says the one line. But seriously, you're gonna. I mean, you are bullying this poor child, literally poor child, just because he's poor and wants to have gifts. And you're just like, shut up, you whiny little shit. Quit complaining about the <laughs> gifts. And like, I feel sorry for this kid. Like at this point, I want to take the kid and put him into like protective services to get him away from you. So Santa then chooses our hero boy, shocker, not shocker, to be the recipient of the first gift. He brings him up to the sleigh and asks him, what do you want for Christmas? The boy whispers into Santa's ear. We don't get to hear what he says. Santa holds up that single jingle bell, gives it to the boy and says, this is a wonderful symbol of the spirit of Christmas. I would argue so is the Krampus bell, but... Okay. And then he tells the boy, the true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart. And in this moment, I wrote in my notes, and sometimes dead is better. Because that's <laughs> that's just the voice that Santa was using. I was like, he's so creepy right now. I loved his Santa. He's like, he is one of my favorite animated Santas. Okay. I, no, I said animated, animated Santa. So the clock now has been five to midnight this whole fucking time suddenly strikes midnight. Everyone watches as Santa cracks his lightning whip. (laughs) What? And the sleigh takes off and there was no Rudolph. I was so bummed we didn't get a Rudolph. That makes sense because I did not know this until like a couple of years ago. Rudolph is owned by a company. I forget what it is, but that's why you see a lot of movies will not use rudolph the red-nosed reindeer because he's not technically public domain so a hush falls over the crowd and then suddenly all the elves toss their hats into the air like it's their fucking graduation day everybody's cheering and then we cut immediately to steven tyler elf singing rocking on top of the world and i wrote in my notes in big letters what the fuck am i watching is this an acid trip mushroom nightmare? What What is going on right now? I hate that scene more than anything because that is the <laughs> worst cameo I've ever seen in a movie. Oh my God. Aerosmith fan or not, people have to agree. This is one of the creepiest fucking pieces of animation to ever exist. So we get elf dance party as the train now is going to depart town square. Some other elves help reattach that runaway car that had happened earlier, and the train's going to go. So the kids are boarding. The conductor punches the rest of their tickets in to fill in missing letters now. Sheldon Cooper kid, L-E, he spells out the word learn and says, as in lesson learned. What? This kid fucking didn't learn a damn thing. He's still the same annoying fucking kid he was at the beginning of the movie. That makes no sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, that doesn't know. The little girl gets her ticket punched now and it says L-E. So it finishes out the word lead as in be a leader. Uh, She was a default leader because she kept hearing the jingle bell sound. She got them into nothing but harrowing situations. How is this a positive thing? She was leading the way through any of this. (laughs) So then little Billy's says, depend on, as in count on, rely on. You need to trust other people. What? What does that have to do with being sad that you don't get presents? Huh? 
this movie completely flew over your head. I don't get that at all, though. What's the lesson <laughs> he was supposed to learn there? What? So then, finally, our hero boy gets his ticket punched. Again, I wanted to punch his ticket numerous times. And we totally saw it coming. To be honest, I, first time watch, I still knew it was what it was going to say. His ticket was B-E. So it says, believe. Totally saw it coming, but okay. Well, gee, you're an adult with like a higher than a fifth grade education. Of course you saw it coming. At, at times. <laughs> I have my moments. All the kids excitedly now want to see the bell that Santa gave him, but the boy realizes that it fell out of the hole in his robe, Chekhov's hole of his pocket, and it's lost now. So the train leaves, cut to little Billy's stop on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> he thanks the boy and the girl for stopping the train for him so that he could get on. He goes in and finds his gift from Santa, the one from earlier that he was reluctant to let go of, and the train pulls away. Then the train stops for our hero boy and Sheldon Cooper kid and the little girl walk him to the door and they all say their goodbyes. The little girl hugs him and then he thanks the conductor who has stepped off to say goodbye. The conductor's parting words to him are, the thing about the train is, it doesn't matter where you're going. What matters is deciding to get on. <laughs> um... Merry Christmas to you too, I guess. <laughs> what? <laughs> Explain to me how that ties into Christmas, sir. Do it. I dare you. I, I mean, I, I I cannot think of much. I mean, the closest thing I could probably come up with is like, okay, so the train represents the belief in Christmas and that you have to get on the, the belief train and that you have to make that decision to get on to the belief train. And the train all, all, uh, ultimately has that destination of like going to Santa Claus. So that's the, the connection I can make. Okay. If that worked, that worked. That that works because I can't come up with any. That's as good as any. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I literally just pulled that out of my ass right now. Good job. <laughs> the conductor now yells Merry Christmas to the boy as he goes into his house. He watches the train pull away and sees Hobo Ghost has rematerialized on top of the train. He waves at him and then disappears. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. Inside, the boy sees that under the tree is empty. Stockings are empty. And Santa's milk and cookies are still untouched. He goes to bed. Then the next morning, the boy and his sister run downstairs to find a train set around the tree running and a bunch of gifts. They open all their presents. And then there's one last one addressed to the boy. It's the same wrapping paper from the North Pole. Hmm, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, of course, it's the Jingle Bell. And the note on it reads, Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Better fix that hole in your pocket, Mr. C. <laughs> so clearly it fell out when he got up on Santa's sleigh. So then this is where it clicked in my head. We're set in the 1950s in the 1950s because when you look around you can see their toys are like janky ass christmas toys there's a wooden dollhouse a rag doll creepy looking puppets and a little toy truck and the decor of the living room i was like oh got it this is the 50s just pointing that out <laughs> yeah so the parents come in and they cannot hear the ringing of the jingle bell as the boy and the girl are shaking and listening to this little bell that he got we then get voiceover narration now again, Tom Hanks, saying, Over the years, 
People around him stopped hearing the bell, but he still hears it, as do all people who truly believe. (laughs) So my takeaway from that was, this is a ridiculous, stupid thing to have in the movie because everybody hears jingle bells. Like you can pick them up in the store. Little fucking kids in Target won't put them the hell down. I hear jingle bells everywhere I fucking go. Stop with the jingle bells already. So that was a weird plot point for me that the key to his believing was being able to hear jingle bells. And then as he got older, adults stopped hearing them. Ah, but there's a difference between store-bought jingle bells and jingle bells from the North Pole. Mm, Okay, that's a stretch, but okay. (laughs) They are magic jingle bells. So we get a quick reflection of Santa's face in a close-up shot of the bell as music swells. The end. Cut to credits with the song Believe by Josh Groban over the credits. Yeah, I hate that song. Why did you make a face when I said cut to the Santa's face in a close-up of the jingle bell? Did you not see that? I No, I saw the train. No, it's Santa's face. Santa's face is when they're in the North Pole, but when it's the uh, when they're at home, it's the train. Maybe it's both because I saw Santa's face and went, that's weird. Okay, yeah, I only saw the train. Well, now you have to go back and watch and let me know. Oh, I'll, I will happily go back and watch it. <laughs> you're, you're a sadist because you made me watch this, but you're a masochist because you like to keep rewatching it. <laughs> All okay, right. You want me to bring up the crap that you make me watch? <laughs> so that's the whole point of our show, sir. I, I will gladly take this hit. It's fine. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I watched it because now I can fairly complain. I used to always say to people, Oh, have you watched Polar Express? No, it looks horrible. Well, you how do you know if you haven't watched it? Fair. Okay. Now I've watched it. Now I can say it's horrible. <laughs> and now I can say you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> so that is the Polar Express from 2004. I loved it. <laughs> I will I will watch it again. I loved it. Okay. I don't know what you saw, but apparently you watched <laughs> the wrong movie. Oh. Uh, okay, so I wanted to bring up one my theory on the kids. So I kept oh, talking yes. about that. The theory was okay. You pretty much touched on it with the tickets. Uh, the know-it-all kid need to needed to essentially learn to quit basically being a know-it-all. Kind of like mm-hmm. you know, like accept the fact that other people may know more things than you. You know, quit showing off your knowledge. Just be humble, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girl, the lead thing made sense because there were several times in the movie where she you saw her question her judgment whenever hero boy would kind of like say oh are you sure are you sure about that and she would pause Mm -hmm. because she almost questioned her judgment of like well i don't know do i really believe this do i really want to do this that's kind of what she was more there for was just to kind of learn to basically be more of a leader and then the kid was the whole believing thing so like each character had essentially their own story arc you just didn't get it fleshed out enough we didn't problem. get to actually see it play out. Yeah, yeah. fair. Uh, I, and I do have a quick question that this has bothered me for years with Christmas movies. Where the hell is Santa getting these elves? Is he cloning them in like a lab somewhere, or is there just like this? Is there like pit of inbreeding elf orgies going on that's like producing these elves or something? I have a theory. Okay. Have you seen the movie Phantasm? No. <laughs> Watch Phantasm. Wow. That's where I'm he gets his watch okay, Just picture watch Santa that. as the tall man. <laughs> okay. And get back to me. <laughs> yeah, that's going to ruin my life. Okay, so let's jump to three questions. Question one. 
let's talk about Christmas movies in general, because I want to know, my question to you is, you're new to this one, but where does it fall in the rankings of like all the Christmas movies you love? And as far as rewatchability, you mentioned earlier, you didn't care for animated Christmas movies that currently exist like Rudolph and whatnot. So I want to know, uh, what are the Christmas movies that you love and where does Polar Express fall among them? And there's a lot uh, out there. I've got a list. So if you need help remembering. Uh, okay. Well, that this is going to take forever because I, I literally watch a shit ton of Christmas movies. Like there's several, like I rewatch every single year. And as far as the animated thing, that's not true. I don't hate animated ones. I just, I don't like the claymation animated ones of Jack Frost, Frost's Snowman, Ruva. I've never liked those. Do they you like the, the, the cartoon of Frosty? That one's not claymation. That's drawn. It's not one of my favorite. Like my, for me, the cartoon ones I go to are obviously the Simpsons Christmas specials have always been fun to me. Family Guy did a couple of good ones. King of the Hill. No, not uh, TV shows. I'm talking Christmas movies. Do you watch the Grinch? Yeah. Okay. I like all of the Grinches. I like okay. the original because Chuck Jones is a brilliant animator and I will watch anything that that man did. Uh, as far as the story goes, I wasn't a huge, huge fan. I like the newer version a little bit better with Benedict Cumberbatch as the voice. That was a lot of fun to me. I liked the Jim Carrey version as well. Uh, the other animated specials were, I watched, obviously, Charlie Brown Christmas special. Uh, the Garfield Christmas special is amazing. Okay. I watch that every single year. Uh, as far as movies go, I mean, shit, okay. Red Claws, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas in Connecticut, uh, Shop Around the Corner, The Man Who Came to Dinner, uh, It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Um, White Christmas, Holiday Inn. I've never seen Holiday Inn. I've done White Christmas, though. I like that one. That's introduced me more to musicals. As far as newer ones go, like I said, the Fred Claus I just watched. Elf is growing on me. I'm not a huge Elf fan, mm -hmm. but it is growing on me a little bit. There's one that I like that's a war movie called Joy Noel. It is the story of the Christmas truce from World War One. Oh, that interesting. Is, that is an amazing fucking movie. I highly recommend it to anybody. It's like, that it is just great great movie before we move on to more live action ones where does polar express rank in the animated hierarchy of your christmas watching like are you going to rewatch it at the top of your list like for animation christmas movies every year now going forward i, I mean i will definitely rewatch it every single year because there's a couple connections to it obviously the girlfriend connection uh the, okay. movie, the story itself is kind of cool i like tom hanks I, I alternate my movie watching experience so it's like i might watch it early i might watch it later it just depends on the season it, it's moving up there though so what about the the live action, uh, quote unquote, classics that everybody rewatches every year, pretty much like Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation. There's the ones that like everyone pulls out all the time. Do you, Are you a fan of those? Home Alone? I, I, I do watch Home Alone every year because I grew up on that one. Christmas Story, I was never a fan of. I might give it another rewatch. I think the thing that hurt Christmas Story was the fact that for the last... I'm going to say 10 to 15 years of my fucking life, TBS and TNT shows that movie for 24 goddamn hours. And I'm like, no, fuck you. I am not watching that movie for 24 hours. What about Christmas Vacation? Scrooged? Scrooged, uh, I got into a couple years ago. I uh, never okay. saw it before because like as a kid, like just no one ever showed it to me. Okay. But of course, once I got into Bill Murray, I had to watch it. Fucking love it. Great movie. Watch it every year. Christmas Vacation, I do enjoy a lot. It's actually my favorite of the vacation films. Really? Okay, me too, actually. What about Jingle All the Way? Are you rewatching that one? <laughs> I, I might actually rewatch that one. I, I will give 
I will give credit to that one. It's not a terrible movie. It was a lot of fun to watch. Are there any others you can think of off the top of your head? As far as like the ones that everybody watches, I don't know. I watch like random weird shit. I even do some of the fucking Hallmark Christmas ones. Okay. Because my mom used to watch them. So I would watch them with her and I got hooked on a couple of them. So there's one that came out in 2019 that I'm fucking in love with called Last Christmas, kind of based on the Wham song uh, starring Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, Khaleesi. It's so sappy. If you like Hallmark Christmas movies, this was a big budget version, basically. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You have to watch it. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Please. Uh, It's called Last Christmas. I I will give it a shot. I I mean, it's like it's not that I like the Hallmark ones. There's a couple specific ones that I enjoy. Uh, there's you, one that I, I I recommend for people, but I'll, I'll give this one a shot. You and the girlfriend should watch Last Christmas together. You guys will really, really like it. She is not a romantic movie fan. <laughs> oh, no. Well, then watch it without her. Okay, fair. Um, I also oh. get a kick out of uh, Christmas Horror. I like Black Christmas. I like the original uh, Krampus, <laughs> which yes. we've covered on the show. That, that's a rewatch for this year. Uh, animated Nightmare Before Christmas. I, always, I can only do that once a year. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I either watch it at Halloween or Christmas, but not both. Yeah, like I, I know people who are obsessed with it that can watch it year yeah. round. We also have uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, which is pretty much my favorite Christmas movie. We just covered it on the Patreon. So again, listeners, head over to patreon.com slash let's talk turkeys because the commentary for that is now available. I like movies that are versions of a Christmas Carol, like my favorite one. I've seen the George C. Scott, that uh, Alice, uh, what's his name? Alice or something or other, a black and white version. Also, my favorite one that I rewatch, I actually own it on DVD. It was released on, I want to say a TBS or TNT original with Patrick Stewart as Ebenezer Scrooge. Heard of that one. I fucking love that one. It's amazing. I watch it every year. I'm the same way with, I love the Christmas Carol story and I'm always trying to find new versions of that to watch. So then of course there's the, the non Christmassy Christmas movies like trading places, die hard, Jaws, the revenge (laughs) also on Patreon, Batman returns. Yes. See anything that takes place during Christmas. They're fun for me. Um, Oh, there is love. Actually, everybody in that movie is pretty much a dick, but I just love the movie. I can't explain it. I just do. And the animation for me, uh, my favorite is the stop motion animation. I love the year without Santa Claus with heat miser and snow miser. I want to say, I love that one. That's my favorite one. And of course, Rudolph and all the others. It needs to be pointed out that you have the audacity to mock Polar Express for the quote unquote creepiness of the animation. And you watch those creepy ass fucking puppets they moving creepy. around. The puppets no, they, are creepy. Not to me. Not to a lot they're, of people. Well, they're creepy to me. They're they're not uncanny valley. Like it's not a scientific pie chart. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're, it's not uncanny valley, but they're still creepy as hell. Lastly, I want to throw out there a random. Even if you're not uh, religious, uh, you know, and don't care for religious movies with religious tones, there is a wonderful remake. Uh, there's an original movie from 1948 called The Bishop's Wife. They remade nah. it with Whitney Houston. R.I.P. The Preacher's Wife. It is one of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't care how dead you are inside. It is so sweet. And Whitney Houston is so beautiful. I, I, I will. Voice. I refuse to watch that movie. To me, I refuse to watch it because I love the classic one 
so it's hard okay. for me to watch remakes of classic movies because I, like i won't even watch the remake of a miracle on 34th street and i love uh richard attenborough now doesn't that awesome. have the little girl from mrs doubtfire and matilda yeah yeah, and, see, and then I, the, you know she's no natalie wood yeah we forgot to mention the greatest christmas movie of all time what's that gremlins well, we covered it on the show. That's a given, right? It's yes, I know, but we should we should mention it for Christmas movies. I mean, come on, Gremlins. Right. It's the greatest right. Christmas movie ever. Fair. Okay. Honorable mention to Gremlins. <laughs> All right. Question two. Since learning about Polar Express here, have you read the book, The Polar Express by Chris Van Allsburg? Are you familiar with the story at all before seeing this movie? I was not. I have never read it. I've seen it in stores. I'm a grown ass man now. What the hell am I going to do buying a children's book? You just said yourself you're you're immature and childlike. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I contradict myself on a daily basis, people. Don't listen to a word I say. <laughs> I can't be trusted. <laughs> okay, so I have not read it and was not familiar. I did look it up. It has a 4.3 out of 5 popularity rating online on the interwebs. I'm still not going to read it. One thing that did tickle me, though, is somebody wrote down a 1985 fantasy book widely considered to be a classic Christmas story for young children. It was, <laughs> it was praised for its detailed illustrations and calm, relaxing storyline. Did they not read the book when they made this movie? Because this movie is not calm or relaxing. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the movie did not bother me the way that it bothered you. This apparently is the Taco Bell version of a Christmas movie for you. It is just slowly working its way through your digestive system and is going to blow its way out of your ass. When I did the research, I did find out uh, some behind the scenes stuff on the story, on the book, like the inspiration oh. and stuff. They said it came from some uh, memories uh, he had of visiting called uh, here Pulse Myers and Wurzburg's department store. I am probably butchering those names, but basically department stores as a child that these memories kind of stuck with him. And that was one of the things that helped inspire the story. That, and he said, a mental image he had of a, uh, a child wandering in the woods on a foggy night, wondering where a train was headed. And interesting to me, that second one comes off a little bit like, and I don't want to call him out because I don't know him, but it almost sounds like the typical bullshit that an author would throw out there. <laughs> And I'm saying this as a person who writes, like, you know, like someone asked me my inspiration. I'm like, oh, yes, I had this delightful dream about this, you know, like wonderful eagle flying through the air. And it just inspired me to write this children's book about an eagle. And the reality is like, no, nah, I was sitting on the shitter and I was just like, hey, this would be a cool idea. Yeah. As somebody also who dabbles in writing, same fucking thing. Somebody asked me an idea. I'm like, I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no great rhyme or reason to why I just made it up. Yeah, literally stuff will just pop in my head. I'm like, yeah. oh, that would be cool. All right. So do you see yourself ever getting or reading the book at all since you like no. the movie now? No? It's hard for me to go back and reread kids' books. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try it because I want to read How how to Train Your Dragon, that series. I want to go back and reread the Banicula books I read as a kid. If I can do that, maybe. But these are more like picture books. Yeah. So it's a little bit rough. I thank him for creating this stuff because he's created a lot of properties that I love. I mean, he's the guy behind Jumanji, mm -hmm. uh, the guy behind Zathura. And these are other franchises oh. that I actually kind of enjoyed. So what you're saying is we need to take him out and hang him by his toenails and torture him. Okay, fair. Oh, oh, 
Fuck that. Anyone who talks <laughs> shit about Jumanji is in for a bar night ass whooping, okay? The only I love thing, Jumanji. The only thing I have to say about Jumanji is whoever started the game at the beginning of 2019, hurry up and fucking finish it because I'm I'm done. I'm over it. Let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the final question of season three. Question three is, what would you do? What would you change? Think Nightmare Before Christmas type of thing. What would you do to make this a horror, more a horror version to where you could watch it on Halloween or Christmas? Uh, what would you do to zhuzh it up? Because you yourself did say you found a few things, horrific elements in this. What would you do to lean into that? Oh, okay. I would have replaced the conductor with a skeleton. And not because of like uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but because one of my favorite characters from the Crow graphic novel is called the Skull Cowboy. And that is a cool fucking visual design. And I think that would be brilliant in this movie. The Skull Conductor. I love that idea. Okay. With uh, the whole hat and the whole getup, but he's a skeleton. Everything. Okay. I would even keep the mustache and shit. Let's <laughs> go. Because I think that would just be awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, I would throw in, have children go missing have like like maybe you eventually do find them in the end but have children go missing and that's instead of searching for the ticket that's what they're looking for is the kids that have gone missing off the train Ooh, okay i'm i'm interested in this one the the hobo ghost would have been uh played a bigger part to me because i absolutely love the hobo ghost in this movie and he could have done so much more yeah like a guiding like a guiding light kind of character uh i might have changed him to a woman though a woman hobo ghost? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just because I think that would have been kind of a different take on it. But I would keep the elves as creepy. In fact, I would even maybe have the elves show where they are coming from and that they are genetically engineered creatures. I'm telling you, Phantasm, bro, watch it. <laughs> That's where these elves are coming from. <laughs> that, that, I think that would be great. Some of the scenes, like you needed to add a little bit more creepy music and like I said, maybe throw a little bit more danger into it. That is so my note is we if you just were to take out in some of the scenes that already exist in the movie and put menacing music instead changes the, the tone of the movie. Yeah, it's a movie that balances very well. Like it could go either way because it already kind of is horrifying in a lot of ways. <laughs> It, it is. It, it's. But I mean, like to me, that's the charm of it. Uh, that's, that's what I like about it. Fair. No, totally fair. I appreciate you though leaning into that a little bit there because I thought that too. I'm like, well, this could easily couple tweaks, easily a horror film. <laughs> Before we go, I have a question for you. Oh yes, sure. So since it is the holiday season, what is it that you want Santa Claus to put under your Christmas tree this year? I, I'm very curious. Okay. Do you? <laughs> You want the joke answer or the real answer? Let's go with both. Okay. The real answer is I recently became, I have streaming services and I found on one streaming service, a show from a while back called Once Upon a Time. I had never watched it. Didn't really think much of it. Have you heard of it? Oh, I watched it. Okay. So don't, don't spoil anything for me. Um, I watched half of season one and then decided to cancel that particular service that it was streaming on. So I was super bummed. So I found somebody has, I don't know if it's Amazon or where, um, the full series, all seven seasons, full box set of the whole show. And I'm, I'm a, I'm a physical media collector myself. I have like at least a thousand movies. Um, and I, I, it's a dying 
form. And I hate that it's going away faster and faster as we blink harder and harder to find physical media. Yeah. So I want this box set because I like the physical media. I also want to finish the fucking show. (laughs) I was so mad. I was getting sucked in. That's what I want under my tree is I want that box set. Now, I also want, and I'm going to quote from an amazing movie that also has a little bit of Christmas in it. Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, a fucking stellar cast called Sneakers. I just want peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. (laughs) That's all I want. Okay. Maybe, maybe a Winnebago. What? A fucking Winnebago? That's what he wants in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before I give you my couple of answers, I got to throw out there, and if you're not familiar, if you're not a comic book fan, if you like Once Upon a Time or are getting into Once Upon a Time, I highly recommend reading Fables, produced by DC Comics and Vertigo. It is basically Once Upon a Time, but done to an incredibly better level because the creative team behind it is fucking amazing. Okay. And it is a lot of fun to read. It is so, so good. That sounds like something I would like. Okay. It's I, I highly recommend checking that out. Okay, so for me, the joke answer... To be fair, I didn't really have a joke answer. I just yeah, okay, <laughs> pulled, I don't pulled from a, a movie. Answer. I pulled from a movie. <laughs> I, I don't really have a joke answer. Either. I, I, I guess for me, the joke answer would be like, I want a baby Godzilla. at the end of the movie with matthew broderick no 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 velociraptor maybe no i I want a no you go back and watch godzilla versus space godzilla i want the miniaturized version of that baby godzilla okay that is that is the godzilla that i want he is so cute he is so adorable and i don't want him to get any bigger than about three feet tall okay (laughs) the the serious answer and i i i gotta say this the Christmas present I want this year is the same thing I wanted the last last year and probably next year, and that is uh, to be with the girlfriend. Aww. I hate Aww. that I was going to get that response. I hate that I was going to get that response. <laughs> oh. Dave and his girlfriend sitting in a Christmas tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> uh, before we go, there is something I have to do. And uh, I told you I was going to do it the whole show. So I want to give a shout out and a thank you to my research staff. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. So Alice Applebottom and her pet, Shelly the Wonder Turtle. uh, You guys did a great job helping me out. Tinkerbell Jones, he did some really good work for me uh, doing some research on this episode. So uh, I want to thank you guys for helping me out and and, in this episode and doing the research because I couldn't get to it. So that was your fingers. What do you call your thumb? I also want to give a (laughs) shout out. Also, I want to give a shout out to our fictional sponsor for this episode, uh, Bick Bickers, the holiday lawyer. Grandma gets run over by a reindeer. Or if Santa Claus's fat ass gets stuck in your chimney and you need a lawyer, you call Bick Bickers this holiday season. He's got your back, buddy. <laughs> call 555-POLE. That's 555-P-O-L-E. <laughs> From the North Pole, Bick Bickers. <laughs> Oh my God, we are out of here. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support. This has been a wonderful, amazing season three. We couldn't have done it without you. I couldn't have done it without you, sir. So thank you for making this year a real blast, truly. It has been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to season, what are we on, four next? Yes, season four. (laughs) It all blurs at some point, right? (laughs) Well, I've been drunk for half the season, so... 
All right. Well, we want to thank you all again so much for listening. And on that note, we will see you all in season four. Goodbye. Is there something I can do for you? I'm looking for a, a girl. A girl. <laughs> Hey listeners, Drive-In Dave here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, so we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please be sure to follow us on all your social media platforms. Join us in the Bad Movie Conversation. We're on Facebook with a Let's Talk Turkeys page, as well as a discussion group where you can chat with other people who also love bad movies. We're also on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, plus we're on Twitter with the handle at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct at Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, at yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.